is the Christ. So, what what are we talking about? Uh, I'm talking about the worship of Jesus and the making of disciples through house groups, okay? Through, through smaller groups of 5, 10, 12, maybe 15 disciples, people who are following Jesus, uh, meeting in homes to worship God and to share their lives and to minister to one another and to make disciples and do all of these uh, 94 one another's you have in your New Testament, depending on your translation. Maybe it's 96, okay? I guess most of you are 94. And I'm saying that this is necessary. It's, 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 op- it's not optional. It's not another church thing. It is necessary. And the reason I say that is because it's always been this way. Okay? Even in, in the days of the tabernacle. Okay? Back, back in Moses' day. How many of you guys are going to watch um, uh, Charlton Heston at, at Easter? Do you guys do that? You get it? Yeah, all right. The cooks are going to watch it. Yeah. Um, it's, in, in the days of the tabernacle, uh, even back then and in, in the temple after that, the, the base for discipleship, the base for, for living in this age in faithfulness to Jesus was the home. Okay? This doesn't disregard the temple. It doesn't minimize the temple. Uh, it doesn't do anything really to the temple for, for its glory and its usefulness. But the playing ground for discipleship in the Old Testament is the home. It's not the temple. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. You've heard this before. It's Israel's Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, maybe that's, now Jesus adds that one, okay? <laughs> Love the Lord, okay? And that's discipleship. That's, that's loving and following and serving and giving your life to the Lord, okay? To Yahweh, these commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Do the discipleship thing when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, do the discipleship thing. When you lie down, when you get up, do the discipleship thing. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And again, this doesn't disregard the temple. doesn't devalue the temple. God loves the temple. It's his idea. But it's just got other functions. Okay, It can't bear the weight of discipleship because that's what the home is supposed to do. And so you move into the New Testament, and the apostles, they just follow the same pattern. They don't dismiss the temple. They love the temple, but they're doing discipleship house to house. Luke 24, uh, 51. While he was blessing them, so Jesus resurrected from the dead, talking to his people. He's blessing them. He left them and was taken up into the heavens. Then they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. What's in Jerusalem? The temple. Right, the, the place where they come and, and give offering uh, to God. They return to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple. Why? Because the angel told them the same way he went up, he's coming back down. And they go, oh, well, he's going to do that at the temple, right? His father's house. Praising God. Acts 2, 46, what um, Helen prayed this morning. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes. They ate together and with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 3, 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Acts 5, 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So the home is the basis for getting this discipleship thing done, this conforming your life to the image of Jesus, okay? The home is the base for discipleship, and, and you know that, all right? Your, your kids act a certain way based on the home they were raised in, right? Or if your parents are lucky, maybe we did better than that, <laughs> than you raised us. 
I'm just kidding. But really, I don't know how I, mean, I don't know how it gets done. Okay, so just, just want to point out here: there's no church buildings for the people. Okay, the, the temple isn't. This is not the temple. Okay, I know that's a thing we try to tie together a lot. It's not. The church doesn't have a building uh, until after Constantine. Okay, you know, if you know church history, around 380, so for 300 years after Pentecost. The church doesn't have a building, okay? And, and they're, but they're still doing the discipleship thing. They're still following Jesus. And so I would just also say here that I'm not against church buildings, obviously. We're, we're in one, okay? I'm not anti-property for believers so long as the property serves the church and the church doesn't serve the property. You know what I mean? You guys have a vehicle. That's like a thing, right? This vehicle is supposed to serve me, but I spend all my time... Maybe you don't have that problem, okay? Okay. So, so if our if our buildings and our and our um, properties and our vans and, and and our salaries are being used as tools for training and equipping disciples, they're great. Okay, they are blessings from God. I, I wrote this sermon in an office on a computer with the time I've been given for my job. Right? That's money and time and place and property. Um, I printed off notes for a high school class on paper and a printer that our church purchased. Right? That's property. That, that's good. We house literal tons of food for hungry people in a building in freezers that we bought. Does that make sense? Property is not bad in, in itself. Okay, I'm not anti-corporate Holdings, but if these things become a distraction, okay, or they become a hindrance to discipleship, like a, a constant dripping faucet, or you know what I mean, or a leaky roof, okay, uh, and a resource drain, they're not great, okay. They're actually hurting what we're trying to do, okay. Are, is, are anyone of you familiar with Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie Steel? One of the richest Americans, in, you know, of, of of all time. Okay, uh, he was richer than J.P. Moreland and Rockefeller uh, for like a month. There, he got ahead of him. You don't care. Anyway, he's a he's a huge philanthropist. I mean, the guy donated millions and millions and millions of dollars. And what you might not know is he donated over seven thousand um, organs to churches. Like, not organs, but you know, <laughs> you're limited there. 7,000 organs to churches. Do you know why he did this? Andrew Carnegie was a staunch atheist, okay? Didn't believe in God, thinks, thinks the Christians are crazy, the churches are crazy. And so that, why are you funding these organs to churches if you don't believe in God? And Carnegie said, I give money for church organs in hope that the organ music will distract the congregation's attention. <laughs> like, you are another kind of evil, dude. <laughs> like, now, does that mean that organs are bad? No, okay? Uh, uh, of course not. Organs have been used, I don't know when they were invented, but forever to, to, to worship the Lord. It's a good thing. But the point of, of, of that is, is that if property and, and corporate holdings become the church's focus, okay? Whether that's organs or, or, or carpet color or location or music or, or whatever, anything like that. If that becomes the focus, instead of people, so if it, the, the focus is a trellis instead of the vine, right? You have a trellis so that the vine can... Grow. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> if that's the focus, instead of people and worship and discipleship and evangelism, if it's anything else, the church's mission at best is is hindered or it's just lost completely, and we exist for the sake of whatever. You know what I mean? 
Like if we're not doing discipleship in how we do things and, and with our property and with things we own and things we have, what's the point? Like it's Sunday. Y'all could sleep in and do something. Like it's just, there's just no point to it, okay? So the church has always functioned, Old and New Testament, without property. Again, every good gift comes from God. I'm grateful for it. But it's not necessary. The home, however, is for discipleship. It, 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 it's, I think it's necessary to recover it. So that's, that's first. The church has always done this without property. Second, I think it's necessary, is because it better allows for every single member to function in their priestly ministry to God and to one another. Okay, so in our corporate gathering this morning, we got like 75 um, people here. It's just not feasible in an hour and a half to do the 1 Corinthians 14, 26 thing, okay? What shall we say then, brothers, when you come together, each, you know, one of you has a, a hymn, a word of instruction, each one has a revelation, each one has a tongue, hopefully an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church, okay? So we got an hour and a half this morning, and so we structure our time around the, the preached word, okay? And one person does that, okay? Now, I think listening to the word, obviously, is, is a thing, and, and we have congregational singing, and we have corporate prayer, and we have the Lord's table, and you bump, like, we're an hour and a half, right? That's where we're at. So you juggle that hour and a half with those things we're really trying to get done with um, educating our kids in the scriptures. Uh, we can't go around the room, realistically, and see what the Lord has from each person, Okay? You know what I mean? Like each one of you has a hymn. Jocelyn, you got a hymn for us this morning? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like We, we don't have, have time to do that. But in a living room, right, in, in a smaller setting, we can open up the scripture. We can pray to the Lord and ask him for these things with no hindrances for time. Okay, except our, we got a lot of babies at ours, so there are some, you know, they got to feed now. They got to go to sleep now or... Things get, get crazy. Um, you know, we're not, you guys are worried about getting to lunch today, right? We don't have to worry about that. And also at the house, I'm not worried about the nursery about to explode, okay? And God bless um, Shelby and Shel two Shelbys in there this Sunday. God bless them. Thank you, okay? Sunday, there's just, there's just more constraints on doing the discipleship stuff, okay? So at the home group... We get to sit down and hear what the Lord's been speaking to Reese. I'm just using ours as an example. Reese and Kyle and, and Sean and Stoney. And we get to be ministered to by Megan and Michelle and other Megan and, and Sierra. Okay, Each member of the group is able to minister not just a few on a platform with a mic, which is what the Lord intended. Okay, It's what's necessary. Okay, and I value the ministry from the platform, obviously, teaching and preaching in a large group setting like this one has been invaluable to me uh, as a listener and, and as a preacher, okay? Like, it's just invaluable, um, but ministry isn't just for the guy with the mic and a degree or, or letters after his name, okay? God's ordained means for you. To sojourn in this age faithfully and to inherit eternal life is not a guy with a mic, but a room full of people with the Spirit of God in them. Okay, For you to inherit eternal life, you've got to have other people in your life, other voices in your life who you love and who you trust that can speak the words of God to you and encourage you to keep following Jesus. On top of this, homes are far more conducive to the Spirit's gifts being put into practice. Okay? 
guys, I'm, I'm, I know some of you don't believe this. I'm charismatic, okay? I, I speak in tongues all the way to church in the morning and all the way home if it was a bad church meeting. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, love, the, I love the gifts of the Spirit. A sign and a wonder in a large group is awesome, okay? In a large group setting, I've seen demons cast out. It's, it's, and it's different watching it afar instead of when the guy's running at you like, oh, Lord, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's awesome. Tongues and interpretation, being in a big meeting where that happens, it's awesome. It's, it's not awesome when the interpretation's wrong, okay? It's awesome when it's right, though. A uh, uh, healing. Um, who, uh, your, your, uh, uh, Heather, we, we, Heather, you guys, we, who was there for that, for Heather Shreen? Yeah, we were over. We were over there, and Heather came in in her wheelchair and oxygen. I don't remember what the bird flu, swine flu, some kind of whatever. She's not breathing good. Okay, and it's it's been a rough couple times. And we laid hands on her and prayed for her, and she was, you know, it was pretty dramatic and threw off her oxygen and jumped out of her chair and ran up and down those stairs and came back in and was breathing fine. And we were just like, oh, God, thank you for this. This is so wonderful. Okay, that obviously happens in large groups, but I, I just think it's so much more conducive and safe to practice those things in smaller groups, okay, where you can go for it, and if you miss it, Okay, you just repent and move on. Like, oh, we missed it. You know, keep going. You you come up here and say, I think I have a word from the Lord, and it's just totally off. Now we got a whole room of people that are like, I don't know about that one. You know, <laughs> which I, again, in our set, in our specific local church, I you know, we love each other, know each other. That's fine. But I'm just saying, in your living room, um, I think it's better for that. Pentecost happened in a private home. Okay, Pentecost was not some big, massive. Um, church meeting at, at Acts 1, when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing and mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house that they were sitting, okay? Now, can that happen in a large meeting? Yes! We've seen it! You, 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 some of you have been part of it, but the home, again, is a far more conducive place for it, Okay? Like if, 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 if in our group, if I say, hey, I think I got this from the Lord, uh, I say, Reese, I think the Lord's saying this to you, and uh, Reese can go, uh-uh, you know, the, you missed it, man. Okay, we move on, whatever. It doesn't stop the whole um, meeting, or if there's like an unbeliever in here who's sketchy about us anyway, and says, see, they don't know what they're doing. Anyway, next, most importantly, I think home groups are necessary for discipleship, okay? You can't hide your life in a small group like you can in a corporate gathering, okay? Now, <laughs> I, love, uh, I, I love being in, in, in the old building. I married there, baptized people there, all kinds of great ministry stuff happened over there. But man, I have loved being over here where there's no balcony, okay? There's no back row here. Like, that's 48 feet to the back there. Okay, because we're all, you can't hide, okay, in, in a living room like you can in a large, large uh, gathering. And real discipleship, okay, actual, biblical, following Jesus, gutsy discipleship can only happen when people actually know who you are and know your real life. This, this is what the apostles did. This is what they taught, First Thessalonians 2. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, not only the resurrection of the dead in the age to come, 
but our lives as well. So Paul's not just like a proclaimer. He is a life sharer with these people because you become so dear to us. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and how righteous and how blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So we can't know each other's lives. If we're not in each other's lives. And an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Can't hold that weight. You know what I mean? It's not disparaging Sunday morning. I love Sunday morning. But it's not a. Discipleship's not a weight that this can lift. It matters. It's important. but, But it can't bear the full weight. 2 Timothy 3. You however know all about my teaching. Okay. But not just his teaching, but also my way of life. They know how Paul lives because they're in his home. My purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. They know about his persecutions and they know about his sufferings. And so if, if just an example, if I'm in your life, I can encourage you specifically. Okay? Now, I, I guys, I, I pray for all of you. I've got you on a, a list in my phone. You know, and if you feel a little extra amp in whatever on Thursday... You're welcome. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but I, I pray for all of you, but but generally what I what I do is pretty much pray general prayers. So I'll, I'll go through the uh, the uh, the prayers of the apostles, right? I just pick a prayer in scripture, and on Monday, pray for the A's. And you guys are getting that the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation of God, you know. Uh, and on the B's on two, you know what I mean? Okay, those are general prayers. But if I know who you are, and I know what's going on in your life, I can pray for God this surgery at 10 a.m. on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, that's just got a different bite to it that, that, that a general prayer doesn't. Um, so we can encourage specifically. We can pray specifically. And if necessary, we can admonish and correct specifically. And it's done in love. Okay? So all of your pain in, in, in not all of your pain, a lot of your pain in your life and especially church life probably came from correction that might have been right but wasn't done in love. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this is a brag on, on my parents. Like, I knew in, in my home when I got in trouble, it really was. I know it's the joke. I'm doing this because I love you, right? <laughs> I believed them. You know, I was like, okay, like, you actually don't want me to grow up and be a turd. You, you know what I mean? I felt love. And so you have that. You can admonish one another and correct one another and say, hey, brother, that road leads to a cliff. That road actually leads to a lake of fire. And so you need to turn around. And we're here to help you turn around. Okay? We don't want it to ha- that to happen a lot, but that's what it's for. Okay? So if our whole version then of, of life together is 100 of us in a, or 75 of us in a room for an hour, one day a week, it just won't cut it. And even if you do bring correction, it doesn't feel like love. It feels like this legalistic transaction. You sin. We must. You know what I mean? Anyway. And, and so this is what I think um, uh, prompted me to, to share this again. Is Our, our group's last meeting before uh, Sierra and I went on, on vacation was, was a pretty heavy meeting. And we were, we were on vacation. I, I didn't get this at the tanning salon. This is real sun, guys. Okay. Um, so our, our last meeting before we left, um, I was, I was pretty exhausted, uh, emotionally and and spiritually and a little bit physically. And I, and I had consciously or unconsciously, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Um, (laughs) I decided that I would be on autopilot at that meeting. Okay. 
and autopilot means I'm going to be there, but not be there. Right? You don't do that. So we would eat and laugh and, and, and pray and sort of kind of discuss the scriptures while children ran in and out of the room. Sometimes it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a roulette. Are they going to run in crying? Are, are they going to run in laughing? Is Sam going to run in with poop? All, you know, uh, or is Avery going to run in dressed as a butterfly? Because you never know. Like we can open up to Matthew and, and start going through the scriptures. But if little kid comes in dressed as a, a ballerina and a butterfly, you got to stop discussing the scriptures and say, oh, you guys look good. You know what I mean? So I'm just on autopilot for the evening. All right, we're going to kind of do this thing. I'm going to go to work Monday and Tuesday, get everything done, and, and go on vacation. But the Lord had other plans for for us. So, so we're going around the room. We're doing high-low, buffalo, um, <laughs> which is what's the best thing this week? What's the worst thing this week? What's a random thing this week? And then what's the Lord showing you um, this week? And so, again, I'm, I'm on autopilot, not really there, just going... Nah, nah, nah. And um, so the first person goes, and, and they confess sin, and they confess weakness. And I'm like, oh, that's nice, because I'm not there. Um, and then the next person, they get real serious, too, with their high-low buffalo, what's the Lord thing? And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad, glad they feel like they could share that here. And then the next person goes all the way there, all right? Just all the way there, and we've got tears now. And alarm bells are going off in my head saying, hey, wake up, bing, 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 we're about to have church, you know, and you might have to do pastor stuff, so wake up, okay, turn off autopilot, and then the next person confesses more sin, and then the next person who doesn't do emotions starts to break and cry too, and the alarm bells are really going off at this point, ding, 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 ding. you gotta wake up, you idiot, like... It's real, and so just like this thing, like, Holy Spirit, we need your help, and we need your grace to get through the next 10 minutes of this. Like, this is a great opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up and minister his love and grace and peace and kindness to us, and we need each other to kind of facilitate that. And then the next person just breaks completely, like, breaks and it's just like something's happening here, and we're not doing the nice church activity thing at this moment, okay? We're not doing the, oh, what a nice evening. I love nice evenings, guys, <laughs> especially Sunday evening, right? We, we get out of here, uh, and it's sunny outside. Like We should have church outside pretty soon, and I love the Sunday evening. I think that's a gift from God. So all that stuff's going on, and then when we came together to pray, it was just real, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, we're not just praying because it's what you do, we're praying because if we don't have a touch from the Lord in this moment right now, I'm not sure what tomorrow looks like. And it wasn't fantastic prayer or whatever, it was just, God help us, you know? And, and we, we prayed with our guts, and and that just cannot happen with seventy five people. It it just it just can't. <sighs> okay, last reason that home house groups are are necessary. And again, guys, I'm sorry I'm so vague on details this morning and just have these general whatevers. But um, but blame the Lord. Okay. All right, last reason is, is persecution, okay? 
Now, evangelicals, of which I count myself as one, I think the Bible is the Word of God, and that the day of the Lord is real, and if you don't repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, you will get thrown into a lake of fire and not be resurrected to eternal life. Okay, that's what evangelicals believe. So, we are famous world over for crying wolf about persecution. Okay, it's just a thing that we do. Okay, I was told my entire childhood, you're persecuted, okay, and yeah, that, that million different things. They won't let you pray in school, and I was like, well, we've prayed at the school outside and inside and in classrooms, in public, for five years straight every single day. So when you say you can't pray in school, I just think you're lying to me, okay? Um, so there's no, I just, I, 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 get, I get a little bit... Um, Ruffled when evangelicals in America complain about persecution. Now, is there some persecution? Sure. Okay, absolutely. If you're unashamed about God's design for, for gender and, and marriage and that gets out, it can be might be hard for you to keep a job or get a job. Like, oh, you believe that? You bigot? You're out. Okay, that exists, but it's not like whatever. Compared to the film we're going to watch Saturday, and I encourage you guys to, to come, uh, our persecution is laughable. Not saying it's not real, but I, I'm, I'm saying no one's knocking on our door and taking our uh, wife and children out into the street to cut their heads off. Like that's not happening here. Okay. Um, either way, home-based movements are resilient to persecution. Okay, they have an answer to persecution. So in China, over a hundred million, one hundred million believers gather in house churches. Under a communist regime, regime, okay? So there are state churches that do what the government tells them and, and, and says and teaches what the government allows them to teach. They're fine. They can have their big buildings. They can have their big meetings, and it's great. And the government's like, good job, guys, you know? Pressing their buttons, moving like robots or whatever. Like, good, good job. It's the real disciples of Jesus, they can't do that, and it has not hindered them in the slightest, Okay? Like, if you want to just be encouraged about God's work around the globe, look at what's happening in China. Like, if you get sad about what's going on in America, look, look across the ocean. It's going great, okay? Uh, in India, which, again, uh, depending on the location, can be a persecuted space. Some parts it's fine, some parts it's not. Over 100,000 house churches have been started in the last five years. Or, this, that was from 2010, so between 2005 and 2010, I don't have more updated things. In Africa, which I know Africa's... Too big to just say Africa, but I'm going to do it. Um, there's an estimated 12,000 new churches started every month. Every month. 12,000 new gatherings of believers who are together to hear the word and pray for one another and sing and worship and, and do the bit. House groups are adaptable to persecution. Acts 8, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles, the apostles are staying because they're thinking Jesus is coming back. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. But Paul, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So the large group shut down. Saul is going from this house to that house and shutting them down too. But if you get one house, there's still nine others. You know what I mean? Like Hydra, you, you cut one snake off, ten more grow. That's what's going on here. The gospel can advance without a building. Persecution doesn't stop it. Okay, pandemic doesn't stop it. All right, this and I, oh, that's probably why. That's probably why. I was wondering all week, God, why you would not let this go? It was a year ago, like last week, that we had to shut down. 
right? And I remember, oh, this is good. Sorry. <laughs> I try to have all my revelation before I step into this pulpit. Now I'm just getting it right now. So just, <laughs> that's why. Okay, so a year ago, um, you know, the city asked us to shut down. Like, okay, yeah, because we don't know what's going on with this thing. And, and, um, and I remember just feeling deep in my like, oh gosh, what are we going to do? And, and, and we made videos, and I love videos, that's good. But I was so mad at myself that the five years prior, we hadn't already been in small groups. So that when they say you can do 10, we could do 10. It, you know, like it, that's why. Okay, so listen to this. This, this will just get you fired up. This is uh, Brother Young. Have, have any of you read The Heavenly Man? Okay, if you want to read it, I will buy it for you and we'll read it together. It's, it's the story of, of the, the Chinese church right, under communism, whatever. Listen to this. This is his plan for reaching all the nations with the gospel. He says, it will not be an army of elephants that marches into nations like Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, and Iran with the gospel, trampling down the strongholds. Sometimes it seems as if, as if a lot of mission effort consists of elephant plans. Huge, grandiose strategies for overwhelming the devil's strongholds and making him surrender his captives. But it's easy for border guards to detect an elephant entering into the country. Okay? So listen to Brother Jan. Instead of an army of elephants, we believe God wants to send an army of insects and crawling creatures to cause the collapse of the house of Buddha, the house of Hinduism, and the house of Muhammad. This is how the Chinese Christians will operate. We will not make much noise, but will secretively and quietly do the Lord's work underground. We will be quite difficult to detect. You may not hear many victorious reports of church, of church growth coming back from the Middle East or Southeast Asia, but be assured our ants, our worms, and our termites are already there, quietly working away, slowly loosening the foundations of Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. You will not see any great or small church buildings resulting from our effort because we are determined to do what the Lord has led us to do in China these past 50 years and establish fellowships of believers who meet in their homes. We won't build a single church building anywhere, but the Lord will be building up his church of living stones with Jesus as the cornerstone. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so when tribulation comes, guys, and I don't know when it comes, but when it comes, right? and I believe this age ends in, in, in great tribulation that has never been and never will be, and I believe that the church is shining her brightest light in that day, okay? I think when, when tribulation comes, we are here telling people about Jesus and giving our lives, and people are coming to him in mass numbers, okay? Um, but to do that, we've got to be ready to be in homes, Okay? I love this. We got to be ready when that comes, right? So, you know, whatever. Big brother puts a lock on our door and says, you guys can't meet anymore. And, you know, whatever. We got to be able to just adapt. Be like, okay, we're good. I know we got 75. That would be 10 houses. 10 houses that each week are, are meeting and worshiping and gathering and loving one another. Okay. So a year ago. Uh, okay. Last thing. And this is a good one. Persecution is not fun to talk about. This is fun to talk about, okay? John 21, verse 4. As the day was breaking, Jesus resurrected Jesus. About to run circles around Peter here. Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Because in our resurrected bodies, we eat fish. And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and what happened when they cast their net on the other side of the boat? 
They couldn't haul it in, guys. There was such a harvest of fish, their nets were breaking, they couldn't haul it in. Acts 6.1, in those days, the number of disciples was increasing. So the last reason that home groups are necessary is because logistically, financially, spiritually, every other lily, adverb, okay, whatever else I'm trying to say, they are the only suitable net to catch all the fish. It's just the only way it will work. I believe, and this is why I prayed this morning, prayed this week, our church here, you people, this congregation, are going to faithfully proclaim the gospel. And we're going to speak to people about the day of the Lord and the coming kingdom. And we're going to call people to repent of their sins and turn towards God and tell them that Jesus lived and he died and he rose again and he sent the Spirit and he's coming again. And if they will repent of their sins, trust in him, order their lives around that day, at the last day, their bodies will be raised and they will inherit eternal life and we're going to tell people all that and they're going to believe it. Amen. You know what I mean? Like like not just going out and telling people, which that would be an improvement, but we're going to go out and tell people and they're going to believe it. Like we're going to say this crazy thing I just said. Yeah, we believe in the zombie Jesus and one day we'll, you know, we're going to raise up out of the graves too and they're going to go, yeah. Okay. Now what? Like, just like it happened to you, right? Someone shared the gospel with you and you went, okay. But then what, guys? What happens? What happens if we actually open our mouths and actually share the gospel and people actually believe it? What happens? If there is a, if Jesus is telling us to cast our net to the other side and there is a global Harvest, or just take Tonkawa, 3,000 people, 2,780 is of our last whatever. If there's a harvest of millions of people on the horizon, do you think we can get them all into one room and disciple them? Our, our new building, which I believe we're, we're going to do, the, the committee's working hard on, on all that stuff. Don't ask me questions about it because I don't know anything. Okay? Our new building doesn't seat 500 people, okay? It doesn't seat 1,000 people. It certainly doesn't seat 3,000 people, but our homes will. So when the fish start coming in, okay, when we cast our net and our nets are bursting, we got to have a net that can hold it, and that net is your living room, okay? So just quick application, and, and, and I'll be quiet, um, uh, Again, I'm light on details, which I hate, but here we are. Um, here's what we need to do this. We have, uh, I'm, I'm in a, a group right now. Uh, Helen, Jim, your guys' house is, is running. How many are at your house? Uh, seven to ten. Perfect, perfect. Um, so, so that's two. So here's what we need, guys. I need homes, right? If you have a house with a roof and preferably running water, your house will work, okay? Like it's just not that that difficult. Um, and then I need I need um, uh, uh, leaders, which really just means and how we're doing it currently. This could change, and the Lord can you know do whatever He wants with it. Um, but basically, you just you just facilitate the meeting, okay? That means that you say, hey, we're we're meeting on this day, this house, this family's in charge of food, um, and then I give you right now. Um, what we do is I 
preach, and then I give a, a guide to the leaders that just has the main point of the sermon, what we talked about, and then some questions based on those things. It's really easy. It's not, it's not like to lead the group, you don't need a PhD or an MDiv. You know what I mean? You just need to be able to read and pay attention on Sunday. All right. <laughs> um, so I need homes and, and I need leaders. And um, if, uh, if you're ready to do that, you say, hey, I don't want to lead. I just have a home or I want to lead, but I don't have a home. Um, let me know, and, and we'll figure that out. And then last thing, uh, the, the Talk to Georgia Man, they're ready, okay? They're, they're looking for a group to get, get together with, so I don't know if you might go to them or that date might not work, whatever. But I got people that are ready to do this, and it's, again, Larry, I would like to have this on the spreadsheet, but I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but this is where we're at, okay? So, so you got the, the Holy Spirit vomit from my week uh, away, so I'm... I'm um, Let's pray. I'm sorry. Let's go. Father, we need so much help. And um, God, we need your spirit to lead us and guide us and speak to us. And, and, and um, God, encourage us through the scriptures and through one another. And so I'm asking God that you would help us do this um, so that when the, 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 we cast our net on the other side and, and the fish start to come in, and we go, oh, my nets are breaking. God, we've, we've got a net that can hold them. And, and we've got an incubator that can disciple people and, and help them walk that narrow path and follow Jesus and encourage one another and discipline one another and admonish one another and be with one another in our highs and our lows and our buffaloes and, and all the things, God. So we, we need help do what you Love to do with with this congregation, God, with these people here. Use every one of them as an evangelist and disciple maker um, and, and lover and worshiper of you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. 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 Yes, please.